0: Welcome to episode 905 of I Doubt It Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Dollamore, joined today by the lovely, talented, scholarly, Brittany Payne, everybody.
1: So we're going to talk about a political thing up front that's not like an actual story that's on the... um, Anyway, (laughs) this is off to a really great start. (laughs) Did you hear that um, meta? Wait, 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 wait. Meta. You know, Meta. F-
0: Facebook. Yes. Yeah.
1: Is going to stop recommending political content.
0: I did know this. Yeah.
1: And I guess. On,
0: and that means Facebook and Instagram, apparently.
1: Yes. Well, I saw it specified as Instagram and threads, but I'm assuming oh. it's also going to be Facebook because it's Meta. Yeah. And it would yeah, be yeah. everything that falls under that umbrella, right. I assume. But they haven't really defined, I guess super clearly what exactly they consider political content. Yeah. And obviously when it comes to Facebook, there's conservative pages that do the best. Like if you look at Daily the top, Wire. Yeah, if you look at the top 10 pages or posts that get interacted with for any given day, it's going to be conservative content. Ben Shapiro's pages, whatever. It's it's usually not NPR or PBS. Or
0: New York Times or Washington Post even.
1: Yeah, and and so this is obviously going to have some sort of ramification. There have been progressive creators that are concerned about this, obviously, who use Facebook much more than we do.
0: Yeah, Pacman's been talking about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, we have, I think, like 13 thousand five hundred or so followers on the facebook page but we don't really use it very much yeah like we haven't been strategic in trying to grow it it's just kind of like a thing that's there where posts get sent it's not really something that we've been invested in
0: yeah i've got something set up so when i post a video on youtube that it just automatically generates a post on facebook it's not something we have to do ourselves yeah
1: Yeah, and and so I guess we're not super concerned about that element of it. One thing I am concerned about is the very real possibility that that they will limit your reach on threads or Instagram because you are posting political content, which we post exclusively. Yeah, it's
0: it's what we post. (laughs) I mean, with the exception of the occasional pizza or something, or food on Instagram, it's, you know, just videos and opinions and politics.
1: Yeah, and it, it they say that the change will not impact posts from accounts from people you have you you chose to follow, so you'll still see political content from people you chose to follow, but
0: You're not going to grow your network or expand the reach of the message.
1: Right, the algorithm is not going to be recommending you or your profile beyond the people that are already following your accounts. Yeah. Not ideal.
0: Yeah, um especially when we are in the throes of a presidential general election and we know the kind of uh, trouble that Facebook got into, meta, now meta, got into with the psychographic data and um, Cambridge Analytica and all of that nonsense in 2016.
1: Yeah, and Instagram said that political content can be, quote, potentially related to things like laws, elections, or social topics. Right. Which almost encompasses every topic you could ever talk about. Yeah. I mean, what is a social topic? Well, like
0: <laughs> equality, marriage equality, just general LGBTQ rights. I mean, that's that's about existence for human beings, but, oh, that's, no, that's political. Can't talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it, it's strange. I think for people who consume different types of social media or they follow different creators. They look at a creator's profile and think that it's like easy to have crossover. You know, like Jesse, for example, you are approaching 600,000 subscribers on YouTube. You do not have that on any other social media. No, no. I think maybe your closest one is maybe TikTok. You have the most, the second most followers.
0: Yeah. And I don't even have 70,000. It's like, It's like 65,000, maybe 65,000 on TikTok.
1: Yeah. So just because you have a large audience in one of these areas doesn't mean that it's going to cross over to the other areas. And you really need the algorithm to push your stuff into other people's feeds. I mean, that's how you grow a YouTube audience is by posting a video. It's popular. YouTube sees that it's popular, they start pushing it out to more people because it's being liked, it's being shared, it's being commented on, and all of that stuff, quote-unquote, feeds the algorithm, as they say, and pushes that video out and gets more eyeballs on it. That,
0: I mean, YouTube... It's, for me, I'll just speak for me. I think this goes for everyone who who uses the platform and it, it's their job or whatever. It Without YouTube's assistance, with the algorithm's assistance... You, you're just there's no growth it's just the way it is because word of mouth doesn't you know people don't they watch the video but i can't even think of the last time i mean infrequently do i share something that i saw other outside of like you you know and that's not another view that I, I don't know it's 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 a bummer that facebook's going this route
1: yeah, yeah. So if you are someone who follows a creator, a political creator, and you appreciate what that creator does.
0: Don't be like me. Share their content.
1: Definitely share their content, like their content. I know people hate the word content. <laughs> share their work. You say
0: that because you listen to Mark Marin and he's a guy who shits on the phrase content.
1: No, I don't think that's true. I think actually you were playing a video the other day of someone that was saying they don't like the word content. Huh. I don't remember who it was. Because you're always playing some sort of YouTube video that I don't know who it is, but um, it, it share their work, like their work, comment on their work, send their work to a friend. You know, uh, it, it's important if you appreciate some sort of independent creator. It doesn't even need to be us, anybody, because really we're all at the mercy of these algorithms.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: And it, it can become. It can become quite a nightmare. So, we want to thank our Patreon supporters before we get into some listener feedback. We want to thank our new Patreon supporters Ty C.
0: Ty C.
1: Matthew D. Matthew D. Dominic D. S.
0: Dominic D. S.
1: Slow Loris.
0: Slow Loris.
1: Lance. Lance. Melody S.
0: Melody S.
1: Jose M.
0: Jose M.
1: Norma J. Norma J. Clifford R.
0: Clifford R.
1: Eveny P.
0: Eveny P.
1: Very likely messed that up, so feel free to correct me. John. John. Thank you. Did you mess that one up? No, it's just, yeah, it's John. So (laughs) thank you to all of our new Patreon supporters. Remember, the main benefit of Patreon is you get access to the ad-free show. You also, until the end of February, if you become a Patreon supporter, get the end of your gift. Make sure you're checking your mailboxes. And those are going out on a continuous basis as people sign up. And if you have not received yours, feel free to reach out. Let us know, and we will figure out what happened. We did get some returns. Pretty few, though. Yeah, not, not too many for the hundreds and hundreds of these things that we sent out. So thank you for updating your addresses (laughs) in Patreon. That's really great. And we appreciate all of your support.
0: If you would like to look into how to become a patron, go to patreon.com slash I Doubt It Podcast. All right, let's get to some listener communication. Uh, we would encourage you to reach out if you have a question or a comment uh, or just generally want to help us move the conversation forward. You can call 657-464-7609. And, of course, of course, of course, you can email idoubtit at com. Hey, guys, it's Carissa. I know a long time no voicemail. Um, you
2: guys are talking about the last podcast about uh, – like people having to pick up all these extra jobs and go family door dash and da-da-da. And one of the things, so I basically am making half of what I was making at my last job because of layoffs, and da, da 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 And yeah, the, sh- the struggle fucking sucks. But the thing that a lot of people, I don't hear mentioning, and so I just wanna know if I'm alone in this. And I mean, you don't have to play this voicemail, but maybe you could throw this out there. But the toll on the mental health, right? like it's you know when you're living on like kind of a financial razor's edge especially all of a sudden especially when you've just kind of done what you can with all your emergency funds and yeah I'm one of those ones that if there's something that happens i'm gonna have to borrow money and hope somebody you know loves me enough to, to, to loan me a couple hundred bucks you know what i mean so um but just just the emotional the the mental health even if you don't suffer like mental health typically it's it wears on you. You become like—I uh, guess the easiest way to say—like your trauma response is on overdrive. But like anything that comes up, you just like, fuck. How am I going to pay for that? Oh, oh, the roof is like, What the fuck am I going to do about that? Oh, somebody slashed one of my tires. How am I going to get to work? Because you need to buy two new tires and you need to get them installed, and there's another five hundred dollars. And da 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 da. So I don't know. I mean, like, it, it, it just with me, it's just like almost anything anymore. Until so I kind of can get back into a, a pay scale that I can afford to live on, better. Like, there's there's no wiggle room. There's no, there's not like room to en- money, room to enjoy anything. Anyway, just hoping you guys can kind of throw that out there next time you talk about it. Um, you know, and and see, see if I'm alone in, in like the the toll it takes on the mental health. All right, love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Love the show. Brittany's the best part.
1: So on the last episode when we talked about this, I I cried and I'm glad that like my crying didn't signal <laughs> a an emotional crisis, <laughs> which I think that Carissa is absolutely right. I mean when you have lived through these these difficult financial stressful times, it is chronic stress. Mm-hmm. And that has a negative impact on your mental health. There's just no denying that. And it's part of why I say that mental health is political. And that means that there are a lot of reasons that people are experiencing things like depression and anxiety. And a lot of them come back to uh sources of chronic stress and one of those is poverty one of those is not being able to meet your needs not being able to afford food not being able to afford your rent paying more than 30 percent of your income on rent like we talked about last time those are things that are going to significantly impact people's mental health and ability to cope with their situations and
0: which further a lot of times compounds the situation financially if they're unable to work, right. They, right? Yeah, it's just it's a it's a, a vicious cycle, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, and, and it feels like it's never going to stop, and you're never going to be able to get out of it. And that's part of what made me emotional after listening to that clip was it was that clip was from PBS NewsHour, and they were interviewing all these different people, and it was one person after another explaining how their options have been narrowed essentially yeah. because of financial difficulty. And listen, we we know that <laughs> we know that experience for from, sure from counting change to put gas in my car from waking up to the the electricity being turned off and and calling to get it turned back on. And they wanted a three hundred dollar fee to reconnect it. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? I can't. <laughs> yeah. You turn it off because I'm not paying it. You think. I'd pay it if I had the money. Now right. you want $300 to turn it back on. Um, you know, I, which was
0: a lot of times it's not even what you owe. It's on extra like, "Oh, okay, we're going to turn it back on if you if, if, come clean on your bill, whatever." But also we're going to tack on like a security deposit for next time that this happens. Right. Yeah. And Louis CK has a bit. Sorry. Louis CK, you know that bit where he talks about that if you if you're rich, they give you money. They Yeah. You, you get high yield savings accounts and all these perks. And if you're poor, you get the brunt of the you you have higher interest rates. If you don't have money and you overdraw your account, then they tack on like 30, 50, 80 dollars extra. It costs money to be poor and you get money and free shit if you have money.
2: Right. Yeah. It just
0: it's a it's an upside down uh manner with which we deal with people who struggle with money. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, Carissa, you're not alone. And again, that's not just anecdotal based on my personal experience having these financial stressors and difficulties. It's also in my work as a therapist. I, that's part of what has caused me to start talking about policy more often is I would so often see the limits of individualized interventions in people's lives when they're up against things that are a political problem. When they're up against something that is a policy issue. Yeah. You know, and I mean, we saw this during the COVID-19 pandemic with the eviction moratorium where they would wait until the day before the first of the month to extend it. And I was working with people who were about to be evicted and every month it was like, Total stress, waiting for this decision from the government whether or not they would extend this eviction moratorium. It's things like that that really make it clear that there are political solutions to these problems, and we are not investing enough in those solutions.
0: Well, that's why the other phrase that we're we're fond of, of is that poverty is a policy choice, mm-hmm. and that's based on a number of different programs that, if if extended, if had been allowed to continue, would have driven down the poverty rates. Of children and and, and disparate other groups, and if they can, you know, reduce child poverty by half, then they can eliminate it. It Mm. just just takes more money, which is what eliminates poverty,
1: right? So thank you, Carissa. We appreciate that message. If you have something to say about Carissa's voicemail, feel free to call us, 657-464-7609, or you can send an email to it at just so Carissa knows that she's not alone, okay?
0: There are people out there who love you enough to give you a couple hundred bucks.
1: Yes, absolutely. Carissa. And so let's hear from our next caller. This is uh, Tony the Trucker, unhappy with something that Jesse said on the previous episode. Why is everybody
0: always pissed off at me? No one has ever... <laughs> Pissed off at you.
1: That's not
3: true. All right, this is Tony, the Texas trucker from Texas. Calling episode nine oh four. I happen to be a landlord.
4: Uh
3: oh. You were just talking at the end of the end of the podcast here nine oh four. By landlords, I guess we all come together and we say, Hey, we're gonna jack up prices. That's not the way the economy works. That's not the way real estate works. No one just comes together and says, hey, we're going to jack up prices on on renters. Um, When your property tax goes up, because cities create bonds, and when those bonds are created, someone has to pay for that. The renter doesn't have to pay for that. The owner of the property has to pay for that through property tax. And that's just a simplified example, but we don't all go to come together and, and just fucking say, hey, yeah, I want to hike up rent. You have to hike up rent in order to pay your property tax. And obviously, most of us still pay have a payment on our uh, property. So your payments go up as well every year. So it's not as easy to say that, you know, hey, um, I can I can incur more expenses and just bring down the rent it just doesn't happen that way so yeah I think you might want to educate yourself a little bit on that for calling all of us uh, landlords jack wagons you know what I mean anyhow I thought I just I'm on my way from Waco Texas up to 411 to deliver a load you know because I'm working and uh, me and my wife are Uh, still delivering the military bases as we've been doing for the last 10 years, you know, as we try to keep uh, some properties available for people to to live at a reasonable rate. So, you know, kind of educate yourself before you start calling everyone else a jack wagon. All right, jack wagon, have a good day. Yeah, listen, that's great advice. Uh,
0: I certainly should um, educate myself as I would expect you to do so when I bitch about landlords, it's not every single landlord who's ever rented a property. And the fact that you're sounding off sounds like maybe you are a little self-conscious or have some guilty conscience going on there. I would love to know how it is that your house payments for the house you rent go up every single year what kind of a financial product you got into relative to your mortgage that your your mortgage payment continues to raise you don't have a fixed apr i don't understand what that what that would be secondly if a if a bond is voted upon by the by the electorate and then goes into effect to fund schools or whatever uh, infrastructure programs that may be there in your local municipality uh it's not going to add thousands upon thousands upon thousands to your particular property, but nobody else's. The money that would be raised would be able to incrementally be raised over the course that it gets just uh, uh, amortized across all of the property owners in that municipality. Thirdly, fourthly, secondly, whichever number here I'm on, uh, there are absolutely landlord groups, usually uh, larger consortiums, corporate-owned properties, that use a software system. I can't think of the name of it right now that does incrementally, arbitrarily, if you will, increase rent in large scale in, in, multi, in, in municipalities. That is absolutely something that takes place. There are landlord organizations that have talked about now we got them covid's over we need to raise their rents because where are they gonna go so i wasn't specifically talking about you tony at all i we we've in the beginning of the pandemic we had um i don't remember their name a caller from oklahoma andy from oklahoma i think Mm. it was who's he and his father own properties and they were struggling with how to make sure they took care of their tenants not all landlords are are terrible or shitty or are 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 money hungry grifters not all of course not so i would say look within (laughs) if you feel like you were attacked look within
1: well i i so i have a few thoughts I think this is kind of the problem when housing is seen not as a right, but as an opportunity to grow wealth. And there's a lot of people who, sure, they become landlords. They do it in an ethical way. Um, Tony says that he provides rent at a reasonable rate. Great. That's awesome. I, you know, Tony, it sounds like you are not the kind of landlord who's like painting over decades old spiders and leaving those on the wall and yeah. uh, painting over like antique doorknobs that are beautiful and just kind of slapping some new paint on there so that you can say that you painted. It, it seems like you are not that landlord, but a lot of those people exist. And so when you hear people talk about and complain about their landlords, they're talking about the people who, as soon as that annual time passes and they're able to jack up your rent as much as they possibly can, they send you that letter in the mail and they let you know that they're going to be jacking up your rent as much as they legally are allowed to, um, as soon as they can.
0: It happened to us in California many times.
1: Even though they're not <laughs> offering you anything else that's great, they're not coming in and saying, hey, let's improve something or do this. It's just, no, the cost of the thing that you need to survive, the housing, yeah, that's going up. Yeah. And you need to start paying that in 30 days. Good luck.
0: It's interesting, too. Let's say you buy a house for 250000 whatever the amount is. And your mortgage payment is $2,500 a month. And you bought it 10 years ago. And now the house is now you know, worth more. And by virtue of that, the market uh, will sustain higher rents. But you're still paying that low mortgage payment normal people, regular people who have normal financial instruments through which they bought a house. Not Tony, apparently. Apparently, Tony is in a system, in a situation where his mortgage payment goes up just increasing every single year. He has to pass that along to his uh, tenant. But in a normal situation, when you own a home, your, your mortgage payment is pretty static. Maybe your, your homeowner's insurance goes up and, and that might increase the the cost of the mortgage but so how is it that if you own a home for a while and you're charging rent that the rent increases yet your payment for that house doesn't increase it does seem like a problem and not all landlords you know some do it ethically we know people who live in idaho who haven't had their rent raised in years and years and years because the landlord feels an obligation because of a relationship with a tenant yeah So when you hear these stories, uh, Tony, and you're not one of these landlords, well, then you should say, yeah, well, yeah, that's terrible that they're doing that. Good for me that I'm doing the right thing. I'm standing (laughs) up and being there for my tenants. Instead, I'm the jack wagon who didn't do my research.
1: Yeah, and again, I would just come back to this is just kind of inherently the problem when you create a system where people... The main way that they see that they're able to build wealth is by obtaining something that people absolutely need to survive, which is housing, and then putting a price on that. And then...
0: Arbitrarily raising that price. And
1: then raising that price over time when nothing is changing like you know and Tony's complaining about costs for him going up well wages aren't going up for the people that are renting your house so you know think about it in those terms where yeah there's additional costs to you but people aren't making more money their wages are not going up so good for you Tony it sounds like again you're you're one of the good ones and (laughs) we were specifically talking about you know whatever landlord we had talked about on previous episode that that said what Jesse had said. So good times.
0: That's all. <laughs> uh, if you too would like to sound off, here's the other thing, Tony. Oh,
1: God. <laughs> is, is, well, no, no,
0: it is, is that um, I'm not one of those characters who believes that all landlords are bad or, or it cannot exist or there shouldn't be landlords. I don't believe that. Uh, because the, the other solution is like the government owns all the property and that isn't going to work even for those of you out there who, do, who are sympathetic to that view. We have friends, good friends, friends of the show who believe that way. Uh, Ryan Bell is one of those guys. And Wow. I, I just, well, no, it's, it's not. Just
1: outing people. Well, for it's, their... <laughs>
0: just, it's, it's public knowledge. He's oh, one is one of it? those guys. Of course. Oh, okay. So I'm not one of those people because do you want a trump government owning all the property and dictating who gets to live where? No, you don't. That's not how we operate. And I don't believe it should be that way. But I don't believe also that you should be able to take advantage of people, just like during a hurricane when there's no water and people are gouging people on the price of water. It's a necessity that you have water to live. It's a necessity to have housing to live. You shouldn't be able to to hold that over someone's head.
1: Rent anyway. control, rent control.
0: Yeah, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. We would love to hear from you. Moving on. Dollamocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism.
1: So we've spent a lot of time talking about Republican efforts to ban books, ban certain topics for discussion in the classroom, specifically regarding LGBTQ plus issues or issues related to race. Florida has obviously been leading the charge on this. Ron DeSantis is... Uh, the the leader of of the, all of this and encouraging this within the Republican Party and there was a story last week that I think kind of flew under the radar because there's so many stories there's so many things to yeah. be talking about but this was notable because a parent took a a photo of a permission slip that was given oh yeah this story. to their child and You know, you get a permission slip for like a kid who's going to go on a field trip or whatever. No, this this permission slip was actually so their child would be able to hear a guest speaker read a book, quote, written by an African-American.
4: This controversial permission slip making the rounds on social media It was given to us by a parent who says his first grader brought it home for him to sign The forum describes a read aloud for Tuesday in the library at Way K8 in Miami It says students will participate and listen to a book written by an African American It also says guests that may attend are fireman, doctor, artist The parent telling NBC6 this is an unneeded process for our overworked teachers And can create more division among parents School board member, Dr. Steve Gallon.
5: I think there is a high level of of ambiguity. I've I've requested that the administration uh, solicit clarity from the state
4: The requirement was implemented to comply with the 2022 Parental Rights in Education Law and the Stop Woke Act. The Stop Woke Act limits how race can be taught in schools. Supporters say it gives parents greater control over their children's education. But opponents like Dr. Gallen say the permission slips can lead to unequal learning. The permission slips not just tied to Black History Month. The State Board of Education requires permission slips, for example, to have a Holocaust survivor or any other guest speaker who comes to the school.
5: To what extent are we going to now have to ask parents to sign a permission slip? Is it because it's black history? Is it because it's Holocaust education? Is it because it's women history uh, topics? Again, the
4: district issuing a statement saying in part, we realize that the description of the event may have caused confusion and we are working with our schools to reemphasize the importance of clarity for parents. However, in compliance with state law, permission slips were sent home because guest speakers would participate during a school authorized education related activity.
0: Imagine an instance where a permission slip were to be sent home and say, hey, listen, uh, we're going to have a guest speaker who's going to read a book written by a white person and we need your permission to have this done. Mm -hmm. That would never, ever fucking happen. I can guarantee you in this particular case, the book in question wasn't written by black conservative author Thomas Sowell. Not a fucking chance. Mm Mm-hmm. This is disgusting, discriminatory, bigoted fucking nonsense. That is the norm under Republican leadership in Florida.
1: Yeah, so we need to all remember this as we continue to proceed into the 2024 election. Because, again, it's not Ron DeSantis. This is now common in the Republican Party to view that these things need to be censored. Any issue about race or any issue related to LGBTQ plus people Of course, we also saw this week that, or last week, that the Alabama Supreme Court ruled that frozen embryos are now legally children. Yeah. And...
0: Bananas, when you read through the ruling from the the Alabama Supreme Court, the the chief justice of the Alabama Supreme Court, not... uh, an amicus brief, not, not a friend of the court brief, none of that. The actual Chief Justice of the court wrote in his decision all kinds of nonsense in there about God creating this, God creating that, as though it is fact, indisputable fact, just peppering in the decision uh, violations of the United States Constitution's First Amendment prohibition against an establishment of religion by government pretty pretty crazy.
1: It is. Yeah. I did a video about it last week, so if you want to see me talk about it in in at length, you can go and watch that, but we do want to talk about the the Alabama Supreme Court Chief Justice Tom Parker, who you just referred to in his concurring opinion who wrote about God and the sanctity of life and that this situation needs to proceed with protecting frozen embryos because in the state of Alabama, everyone agrees that God gives life and we need to protect the sanctity of life.
4: That
0: we are created in his... I mean, it's all kinds of just Christian normative ideas.
1: But it goes further than that because he actually just a week prior to this decision, I mean, very recently, made an appearance with a popular QAnon conspiracy theorist and MAGA prophet named Johnny Enloe. And on this show... He sat with this Johnny Enlow, who, again, QAnon, like, believes that the Democratic leaders are satanic pedophiles, that they're stealing the blood.
0: The whole adrenochrome thing. He's in it up to his neck with the QAnon stuff.
1: And the Alabama Supreme Court Chief Justice Tom Parker is sitting with him, demonstrating familiarity with him, but also referring to what is known as the Seven Mountain Mandate. And that is a, a theological belief that... It calls on Christians to impose their values on different aspects of life in America, different aspects of society. They basically want to infiltrate these different areas and impose their fundamentalist Christian values, whether it's government, education, religion, family, business, media, and entertainment. Those are the
0: seven. Same again. The seven mountains are these aspects of culture.
1: Government, education, media, religion, family, business, and entertainment. Yes. And obviously, Tom Parker, the chief justice on the Alabama Supreme Court, he is in the government aspect of that. And he talked about with Johnny Enlow, this conspiracy theorist, about the Seven Mountains and who they've been occupied by.
5: Well, as you've emphasized in the past, we have abandoned those Seven Mountains, and they've been occupied by the opposite side. And so if you are called of the Lord... To be on one of those mountains, I urge people to make sure that you and your spouse are in agreement on this, mm. because uh, you're going against resistance.
1: And again, <laughs> he's demonstrating familiarity with this conspiracy theorist's previous Views and statements. Yeah. But it goes further than that because Johnny Inlow actually, during this conversation, asks the Chief Justice Tom Parker about whether he can talk about specific cases on the show before they wrap up.
5: Are there any particular stands that you're making right now that are ones that you can, whether even if it's very general, that you can share? Uh, just things that are, we know one of the stands will be. Cr- Constitutional aspect of it and um, anything else that you're able to share with the audience. We understand there are so many things you can't share, um, things that are in process. Yeah, well, we can't discuss a case that's not We, can't, we can't discuss a case that's right. obviously.
0: And he goes on to say that yes, there are things. They are going to implement this white Christian nationalist worldview through their particular flavor of theological doctrine on. The citizens of Alabama.
1: So that's the person who's deciding who can and cannot have children in the state of Alabama.
0: Because a frozen embryo is a child, according to the worldview of Tom Parker and Johnny Inlow.
1: Well, what's interesting is a lot of Republicans don't seem to understand this decision. They don't seem to really have a grasp of how... Sex works, maybe. I don't know. I don't know the issue here, but Tommy Tuberville, who is a senator from Alabama,
0: Tuberville.
1: Did I say it incorrectly?
0: Tu- you, well, you you pr- pronounced it as it's written, tuber, like T U B E R, but it's Tuberville, like there's two B's.
1: Interesting. <laughs> I will make sure that no. I get that right uh, next Well, time. you're
0: just looking at the word. It's spelled Tuberville, but he pronounces it Tuberville.
1: So he was asked after the decision was publicized, he was asked if he agrees with it. Uh, and it's, it's going to become very clear very quickly that he has
2: no idea what IVF is. Do you have a reaction to the Alabama Supreme Court ruling on the fact that embryos are children?
5: Yeah, I was all for it. We need to have more kids. We need to have an opportunity to do that. And this, I thought this was the right thing to do. But, but
2: IVF is used to have more children. And right now, IVF services are paused at some of the clinics in Alabama. Aren't you concerned that this could impact people who are trying to have kids?
5: Well, that's for that's for another conversation. People mm-hmm. need to have that. We need more kids. We need people to, to have the opportunity to have kids.
6: Senator, what do you say?
5: That's a hard one. It really is. It's really hard. Uh, because again, you want people to have that opportunity. And and that's what I was telling her. We need more kids.
1: Wow. So he has seriously no idea what IVF is because his first response is, I totally agreed with the decision. I'm all for it. Because we need (laughs) to have more kids. And they're like, Well, no, IVF clinics are shutting down because of the implications of this, because frozen embryos are now legally children. And that's going to complicate the process of IVF because...
3: Right, that's, oh, that's a tough one.
1: Yeah, and he's like, that's oh, tough. wow, I have really have no idea how any of this works. Because <laughs> when, you, when you do IVF, and I'd be interested to hear from people in the audience who have had kids through IVF or who are maybe currently going through the process and what they think about this case and this ruling, but you take... Not just one embryo, not just one frozen embryo, but you you choose the best quality embryos that yeah. you create. And then you you typically implant more than one at one time in order to maximize the odds that you're going to have a successful pregnancy. And so this decision is now going to complicate that where you may need to only create one embryo at a time.
0: Dramatically increasing the cost of the procedure.
1: Dramatically increasing the cost, increasing the time, with an already...
0: Decreasing the likelihood of implantation and success.
1: So now we're starting to see Republicans are distancing themselves from this decision. They are trying to come out and say things that are in opposition to what they originally said about it. For example, Nikki Haley, who is still running for president, even though she lost the South Carolina primary to Donald Trump.
0: Even though she gave birth to her child using IVF. She,
1: when asked if she believes an embryo is a baby, says yes. And this was like a a talking point when the Alabama case was making the headlines. and, And she was like, yes, I believe that it's a baby. And then she realized, oh, that's not a good headline for everyone to see. (laughs) I need to back away from that. And so she went on with Jake Tapper and tried her best.
7: I want to turn to the Alabama Supreme Court ruling on in vitro fertilization uh, and embryos. Uh, You have said uh, that you believe an embryo is a baby, is a life. uh, But you also said the decision about what to do with embryos, that should be between a doctor and a patient. So I guess my question is, you then disagree with the Alabama Supreme Court, right?
6: Yeah, I, but I think that the court was doing it based on the law and I think Alabama needs to go back and look at the law. This is incredibly personal to me because I had both of my children with fertility and what we want to make sure is two things. One, you want to make sure that embryos are protected and respected in the way that they're supposed to be. Two, you want to make sure that parents have the rights to make those decisions with their doctor as they go through in what they're going to do. And we want to make sure whatever we do that we have plenty of opportunities and availability for for Fertility treatments to go forward We don't want fertility treatments to shut down We don't want them to stop doing IVF treatments, we don't want them to stop Doing artificial insemination, we want to make sure That people are able to have these blessings But I think this is, again Needs to be decided on the people in every State, but what what States need to remember is Don't take away the rights of these Physicians and these parents To have this conversation, it is Too sensitive and too personal to not have That happen.
7: Well you, you seem to suggest that- that they made the decision based on the law, but in the Alabama ruling, the judge, the chief justice, wrote in his opinion, quote, human life cannot be wrongfully destroyed without incurring the wrath of a holy God. I mean, that was what Chief Justice Tom Parker uh, had to say. That seems to be his personal religious view, not the law, as I understand it.
6: Yeah, I had not heard that. I mean, it certainly does. And I think what we need to do is uh, look, if Alabama, what they need to do is look back at, at whatever it was, this was, it's my understanding it was a civil case, but look back at that and say, how's this going to impact, you know, other women in the state of Alabama? How is it going to impact parents? How's it going to impact physicians who are helping these parents have their baby? And we need to make sure that we're not closing any doors. We need to make sure that embryos are protected. I personally believe an embryo is a baby. Not everybody's going to agree that an embryo is a baby, but that's why parents need to be able to have the decision on how they're going to handle those embryos. And they need to know that they're going to be protected, that they're not just going to be discarded by accident or that someone is not properly taking care of them.
0: This dipshit wants to be president of the United States of America. Oh, I hadn't, I hadn't heard that very widely publicized element of their of their ruling Jake I'm sorry I'm just trying to have the highest office in the land and then she says she says well the Alabama like an expert like she definitive she understands it the Alabama Supreme Court they made this based on the law they made the decision based on the law and also she says they should go back and look at the law well if it was a sound judgment based on the law, Nikki Haley, wanter of wanting to be president of the United States, then why would they need to go back and look at the law? Hmm. Also, very quizzical that she says, "Well, they should leave this as a decision between the the physicians and the patients." But also, yeah, those frozen cells are a baby. I saw, I saw a a, a meme or a tweet or somebody tweeted. They said. You know how I know that an embryo, uh, uh, a frozen embryo is not a baby, is if you put a baby in the freezer, it dies. But if you unthaw the embryo, it also dies. Like, what are you talking about? It's a baby, you fucking idiots.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I have several thoughts here. So let's just start with since you brought up the law thing. So this ruling. Involves the wrongful death of a minor act. And basically, what happens happened in this case is somehow, I guess, a patient got into an area of the fertility center where frozen embryos were being held and they somehow accessed it without authorization, accessed the embryos without authorization, and then dropped them and killed them, quote unquote, killed them,
0: destroyed them. Yeah.
1: And So the plaintiffs claimed that the Fertility Center was liable under the Wrongful Death of a Minor Act because their embryos qualified as children. And so the majority agreed. And they said that the, quote, natural, ordinary, commonly understood meaning of the word child includes embryos. Which they called quote extra uterine children,
0: <laughs> then they also based this on like case law from like eighteen seventy or something,
1: yeah, so they said that this was <laughs> true when the wrongful death of a minor act was passed, and that was in eighteen seventy two
0: that they knew very, it was very common knowledge back in eighteen seventy you know let's paint a picture for you the supreme the, the 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 civil war was was really just right in the rear view mirror. And geneticists and, and, and fertility experts were, were breaking ground on uh, in vitro fertilization and the freezing of embryos. It was, a, it was a wild time for science in the 1870s, Brittany. I mean, it did take them until the mid-80s to actually successfully implant a frozen embryo. But, you know, who am I? Yeah. Who am I?
1: Yeah, well, and it's remarkable because they wrote that in the 1870s that a a person in a quote unborn qualified as a person no matter their physical location and in the opinion <laughs> they wrote whether that's inside a biological uterus or a cryogenic nursery. In the 1870s. And so when, when Nikki Haley's talking about the law, I guess that that's the law that she's referring to. But think of all these things that Nikki Haley said, that we don't want to take away the rights of these physicians. We don't want to take away the rights of these patients. This is too personal. Everything that she said applies to abortion yeah. and abortion rights. That what they have done in overturning Roe... What they continue to do when they say that they want a federal abortion ban is they are taking away the rights of physicians. They are taking away the rights of patients. This is something that is too personal. Because
0: of his deeply held personal beliefs about being created in God's image and bearing the wrath of God's vengeance.
1: And so yeah, of course embryos should be protected. You don't want someone going in there and destroying embryos. That's absolutely they should be protected. Well, like
0: anybody else's property should be protected.
1: But they are not children. Yeah. They're not children. <laughs>
0: can you insure, can you like take out a, a life insurance policy on a on a frozen embryo or or look my my wife and I created uh, fifteen embryos. We're getting divorced, and I'm going to want her to pay child support for all <laughs> our children, our many many children.
1: Yeah. Well, you also have something weird happening with the media, where on this topic of abortion, they're starting to claim that like Donald Trump is moderating his view. I saw this last week because he wants a 16 week abortion ban, which again is not. That's not a moderate view. Yeah. that's not a moderate view at all. Well, they, they're like,
0: well, the Overton window has shifted, so I guess it's moderate now.
1: Yeah, and he even he doesn't say that he wants a sixteen-week abortion ban because, like, of some scientific reason. Like, he's not saying, well, that's when you know the baby can potentially feel pain. Like, he's not making an educated response. He's just saying, yeah, it's like even, it's an even number. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> He doesn't even have a good reason for it. Yeah. But instead of people dissecting what it actually means that Donald Trump is saying he wants a 16-week abortion ban, you have people like NBC News' Mara Leason. Le-
0: Lies She used to be the, the, the token Fox News liberal who worked for PBS at the time,
6: I think.
1: Yeah, well, listen to what she has to say about Donald Trump's 16-week abortion ban
6: a policy issue that has been in the spotlight this week, abortion, Mara, because uh, Revelations, New York Times' first report, NBC News, has confirmed that Trump is considering backing a 16-week federal ban. He likes, I'm told, a nice
2: round number. What do you make of this? What's the implication? Well, here? there's two aspects of this. Democrats are going to say he's for a national ban. He doesn't want states to decide. Every blue state that's codified road, that's going to go in the garbage can. So that's one impact of it. But the second thing that I think is incredibly interesting is that Donald Trump is acting like a normal politician. He mm. usually doesn't do that, but he's moving, trying, if this story is true, to move to the center on abortion for the general election to get more where the majority of voters are and you know what there is a consensus on abortion in this country it used to be called roe Mm -hmm. 16 weeks is a little earlier than roe but people want abortion to either be mostly legal with
1: some
5: exceptions or mostly illegal with some exemptions
0: is she is she listening to herself That, that actually sounds like one of your one of your uh one of your drops i can't uh I
1: think th- I think what she meant to say is today is the day that Donald Trump became president, <laughs> because that's basically what you're yeah. hearing from her.
0: Here it is. Here it is.
1: Is he is he fucking listening to himself right <laughs> now? Wow, that's what was who was I talking about? I don't know. So again, well, let me also
0: say this about the the nice round number. Mm-hmm. The only nice round number that we should apply to abortion bans is fucking zero. That's a nice round number, not sixteen.
1: Yes, and again, this is when the media has a real opportunity to do some good, because if you were to talk about, and you know who's good on this? Gavin Newsom. Gavin Newsom, he was asked during uh, Meet the Press today, Kristen Welker, that same interview that you just heard in that clip, and she asked him, do you not support any any week?" term in terms of abortion like you you don't think there should be a limit on it and he says that it's you know a lie like talking about it in terms like that because again abortions that occur at or beyond 21 weeks are uncommon and they are just one percent of all abortions in the United yeah. States so people are not waiting to get abortions for fun they get abortions quote-unquote later in pregnancy because There are bans that force them into a position where they can't access the procedure when they want to.
0: Or they're in a medical, dire medical situation where something has gone awry and they're seeking that to end the pregnancy, to save their own life because the fetus is not viable.
1: Absolutely. So if you ever get a call from Pew Research Center and they're asking you, are you a Democrat? Do you support any? limits on abortion the answer should be no there are no limits there should be anyone should be able to go get an abortion at any time that is a
0: conversation between a physician and a patient
1: exactly that's what Nikki Haley just said right it's too personal that's right but also let
0: me say this about uh, Gavin Newsom maybe the most adroit political communicator in decades Certainly of my generation. I mean, he's a. people talked about Ronald Reagan being the great communicator and, 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 and Bill Clinton being a great communicator. Not the, but a great communicator. <laughs> Gavin Newsom blows both of those fucking idiots right out of the water.
1: Yeah, and he proved that when he was making the rounds talking about this IVF
5: ruling. Well, we'll continue to be on the offense. We're, we're, we're backed up by the American people. We're backed up post-Dobbs. You just see these Republican parties on the defense on this issue for good reason, because the American people have had it. This extremism manifested the ultimate of extremism on the issue that impacts one out of every six people that in their lifetime have fertility issues. And this is profound. And you talk about freedom. Spare me the Republican Party and this freedom gospel. What about family freedom? What about the right of people that want to start a family? And think Think about this, Jake. You know this. Everybody knows this. You saw the stats. 65,000 births due to rapes since Dobbs in 14 states. Apparently, what the Republican Party is saying is the rapists have more rights to bring those babies to birth than families that are trying desperately to have the privilege you and I have had as fathers and parents. It is a disgrace. And it's a political problem for them, but it's a moral issue. And I found what happened in Alabama disgusting. And by the way, you have an AG in Alabama that also is out there promoting a travel ban that wants to criminalize travel for anyone that seeks an abortion out of state. That's how extreme the state of the Republican Party is.
1: So one little just a minor little fact check on Gavin Newsom. It just Texas, right? Uh, well, no, this, it, was a, it was a study that estimated the number of pregnancies resulting from sexual assault. So it was an estimate. They did national estimate, but also specifically within Texas. Mm. So, And that was a research letter that was published in the Journal of the American Medical Association. And I did a video about that, too. So not to keep promoting my videos,
0: but... Well, you do... good Listen, the video you just did about this Alabama thing is a fucking banger. It needs to be watched.
1: Well, thank you. That's very nice.
0: And not just by me. Because however many views it has, that's all me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just been playing on loop on your yeah. on your computer. Well listen,
0: it is it is without a doubt, the closer we get to the election, the more comfortable Republicans get with their particular majorities across the country. It is becoming more and more of a nightmare. For marginalized groups, whether that be black women who are, who are in the middle of pregnancies with their life at higher risk than, than, than white women, whether that be uh, the gay community, whether that be the trans community, people are at risk when Republicans are in power. And we're seeing that play out right now, especially in the state of Oklahoma with this case of this of this uh, non-binary teen. I don't know if they're officially trans or what, but beaten to death. And now, the the people who killed this young person are now being covered for by the police and Oklahoma politicians.
1: Yeah, so Judd Luggum, who writes a newsletter online called, I believe, Popular Information. That's right. And... I am a...
0: Six dollars a month subscriber. Yeah, great. He, great newsletter. Great
1: reporting. I yeah. mean, fantastic reporting. And he recently dug up the non-binary teen's name is Nex Benedict. And Nex Benedict, um their mother, Sue Benedict, is raising questions about statements that were released from the police and the school district because they're using very similar language and... Sue Benedict believes that there is some sort of cover up happening here, but we want to talk about just what happened in the case.
8: Tonight, police in Oklahoma releasing preliminary autopsy findings in the death of a non-binary teen who died after a fight at school. 16-year-old Nex Benedict dying at the hospital on February 8th, according to police, one day after they were involved in a fight at the Owasso High School West Campus just outside of Tulsa. A school Nex's mother told The Independent where the teen was bullied for their gender identity. Huaso police now saying the medical examiner has determined next did not die as a result of trauma and that the cause of death is pending until toxicology results and other tests come in. It's unclear if the fight was connected to the bullying, but here is what we do know. According to the school, a quote, a physical altercation started in the bathroom on February 7th. The fight lasted less than two minutes before other students and a staff member broke it up. The students involved were able to walk themselves to the assistant principal's and nurse's office. The students gave statements to district administrators and guardians were contacted. The nurse determined an ambulance was not needed, but advised one student's guardian to take them to the hospital for further evaluation. According to police, at around 3.30 p.m., Nexus guardian had called police to the Bailey Medical Center, where the school resource officer took a statement. The next day, the Owasso police found out the teen was rushed back to the hospital in the evening and pronounced dead. Owasso Public Schools says it followed proper protocol and called the death devastating. Next, his mother, Sue Benedict, releasing a statement to NBC's Tulsa affiliate acknowledging initial confusion over the teen's name in the media, saying in part, quote, We are sorry for not using their name correctly, and as parents, we are still learning the correct forms. Please do not bully us for our ignorance. I lost my child. The headstone will have their correct name of their choice.
2: I'll be honest at first. I didn't feel anything. I couldn't.
8: Former schoolmate Alexandra Davison is saying the loss is traumatic.
2: What are we supposed to do about that besides grief? It's not just Nexus' story. It is a story of what is happening because of so much hate that is targeted towards a trans and non-binary community in this country.
8: Across the country, more than 500 anti-LGBTQ plus bills were proposed last year and 75 were made into laws across 23 states. In the past, Oklahoma successfully passing bills ranging from banning gender affirming care to restricting bathrooms. Currently, the state has 54 anti-LGBTQ plus bills in the pipeline, according to the ACLU, the most of any state in the country. It's not just the bills. It's this culture of violent
2: rhetoric and actions that are really traumatizing our community. So we're going to
1: get to a very specific example of that violent rhetoric in a minute. But. I think that this news package did something very well toward the end of this clip, which is tying this event to the political climate in the state that could increase the vitriol and bullying of someone who identifies as non-binary. It was also strange to hear the reporter say that the fight lasted less than two minutes. 2 minutes is a very long fight. I know that yeah. people
0: who have never been in a fight Yeah,
1: people who have maybe never been in a fight or they watch Jason Bourne and they're like that looks easy. 2 minutes is a very long time to be in a fight. There is a lot of potential damage, especially if as reported, there are headshots, there are kicking to the head, there are head being smashed into a, into the ground. That's going to be very harmful.
0: Also, from what I've read, this may be wrong. I don't believe so though. I believe there were multiple attackers. It wasn't just a one on one It was multiple children viciously attacking this 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 kid
1: yeah, so that's a long time, yeah. to be weathering strikes in yeah. whatever form they're coming in
0: yeah listen, this is remember a few months ago when all the we we had our episode it was like the the trans stravaganza I think we we titled it and I had said that if you if you don't believe that trans rights are human rights you can fuck straight off and people I'm not gonna I'm gonna unsubscribe we're not gonna listen I'm not gonna be part you fuck off this is the this is why a child is fucking dead because it's been normalized to hate them because people don't understand it oh that's weird I don't get it who fucking cares whether you get it children's lives hang in the balance Jesus fucking
8: Christ.
1: Just wait until you hear this next clip, because I think the rage that you're currently feeling is going to be amplified quite a bit. So this is going to be a panel of people talking, but among this panel is Oklahoma State Senator Tom Woods. And at the beginning, you're going to hear a question specifically about Nex Benedict and Nex Benedict's death. And it is going to be remarkably hateful what you hear, so prepare yourself.
2: A year old died after being beaten at a Wausau High School. What do you think of that? They were targeted because of some of these bills, some of the things that yeah, Ron Walters so had that said. Wasn't true. Uh, I
5: mean, no, that's not true. I, I'm being t- I, that's horrible. That is horrible that anybody is beaten up and died. I, that, that, that is. I, have, I don't okay. know about that case, but I promise you I'll check into it. I'm being told time's up. Live money.
4: So my time's up, but I want to say one thing. As, as an educator, um, we're so ed- as an educator, I took the oath so to educate
2: to students, think about that.
4: not indoctrinate an them. And I'll always take that stand. We're there to educate our students, love them nurture, and help them to be successful.
0: My heart goes out to that scenario if, uh, if that is the talk? case, but we represent a constituency uh, we're uh, a Republican state, supermajority in the House and Senate. I
7: represent a constituency that doesn't want that filth in Oklahoma. You know,
0: we are a religious state. Uh, we're going. We are going to fight to keep that
8: filth out of the state of Oklahoma because we're a Christian state.
4: Uh, we're a rural state. We want lower taxes. We want people to be able to live and work and 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 be. Go to the faith they choose. We are a Republican state. I'm going to vote my district. I'm going to vote my values. And we don't want that in the state of Oklahoma.
0: And that motherfucker was able to walk out of that meeting under the power of his own legs. He wasn't rushed to the hospital where he was pronounced fucking dead like the child was. Because we are a Christian state. We like to low taxes. We don't want that filth. This is why i get fucking angry about the hatred for trans people this is why i say if you cannot accept that trans rights are human rights you should find yourself and fuck the straight straight off it's goddamn infuriating
1: it's very disturbing i mean you heard people clapping when he said that, you Ugh, heard people... You, you heard someone respond right after the question was asked. Like, sorry about the audio, but this is the only audio the that exists. The murmuring
0: idiots, but well, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. Right.
1: It's like, no, it did happen. It did yeah. happen. And now now we're facing the possibility of what's happening here with these two statements, like Judd Lugum reported, where the the school... There are parts of the statement that appear to be copied verbatim from the school statement in the police statement and a lieutenant that is a spokesperson for the police in this area they gave a statement to Jud Legum and said that the the statement from the police quote kind of came across as being a voice piece for the school like they're worried about their liability yeah they're worried about protecting themselves from some sort of liability because they didn't do enough to step in and prevent the bullying of Next Benedict or who who knows what's going on here but we know historically that the things the police say should be further investigated
0: questioned <laughs> questioned questioned
1: and so it's 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 good that we have people like Judd Luggum who are asking those questions and digging into act- what actually happened here
0: I hope that Next Benedict's parents sue the ever living fuck out of the police department of Oswego or whatever whatever municipality this is, out of the school. Bankrupt this municipality. That is the way you teach these fucking bigots. That's how you do it. Anyway, let's end it there. Um, we'd love to hear from you. 657 464 7609 of course you can email a voice memo from your smartphone or a regular old-fashioned email to it at com. and seriously fuck straight off if you can't come around and be a decent human being toward people who don't look and live like you this is no safe space for fucking bigots no more Uh, if you want to help support the work, um, thrown off track here. If you want to help support the work, we would appreciate it. Go to patreon.com I Doubt It Podcast. Pick your tier and help support what we think is important work, even if it is sometimes uh, aggressive. <laughs> uh, we love and appreciate you very much. And we will see you next time for Brittany Page. I'm Jesse Dollimore, And this has been I Doubt. It.